Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Alex, and you're tuned into another episode of the Market Adventures podcast. It looks as if Mrs. Woods and Mr. Tepper were able to put out a few fires and concerns about interest rates, what we've been talking about for the last week and a half. Uh, The market responded really well yesterday, moving nearly a 1.5%. I opened a bearish call spread, though, on Apple this morning, playing off the momentum to the upside. We gapped up, we moved up. I sold a uh, spread to the upside, betting that Apple's going to come down for the rest of the week. And I think the market's going to come down as well. But I could be wrong. If Apple crosses 125 by Friday, I lose. And if it doesn't, then I get to keep the credit. And my theory is that the uh, run-up early in the week is fueled by both the influence of those two and also hope that the stimulus is going to get passed uh, today. I'll let you know how the uh, credit spread goes later this week. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the market's favorite valuation tools, P.E. ratio. Stay tuned. If you haven't heard, I started a newsletter for the podcast. You can get the analysis and strategy for the entire month ahead before it even drops on this show. You'll be getting stock picks, trade ideas, and education every month for just $5 subscription. Click the link in the description or search marketadventures.substack.com to find it. Now, on to P.E. ratios. They're used to gauge the value of a stock prior to long-term investment. This is not a tool for short-term investors or swing traders or option traders. Now, the price of a stock divided by its earnings per share is how you get the P-E ratio. The P and the E stand for price and earnings, right? Price divided by earnings or earnings per share. Now, if it's high, the idea, again, this is all speculative. This is all uh, just using probabilities, If it's high, the stock's price is high relative to its earnings, and the stock is said to be overvalued, right? People are buying it essentially at too high of a price. But this may be a result of people expecting it to have earnings growth in the future. A low P.E. ratio has a stock price that is relatively low to earnings, right? Because the stock price is over earnings. Earnings is the denominator. So the higher the earnings are, the lower the overall value is going to be. Now, this shows or this may uh, you know, insinuate or suggest that the stock is undervalued, right? And it's important to understand the reason in this one. And I want to say this very specifically because if a, if a business is dying, 
the P.E. ratio may look like a bargain. It may look undervalued. But this could be part of that value trap thing that we talked about last episode where a stock looks undervalued, but it's just dying and it's being you know disrupted by innovators like Uber, etc. Now, if a P.E. ratio is zero or negative, the company has no earnings because you can't put zero as a denominator. Right. So typically you'll see N.A., not available, zero or negative. And that just means a company has no earnings, so you can't do the uh, equation. Now, the ratio indicates uh, that essentially the dollar amount an investor is willing to pay just to get $1 back from the company's earnings. So if a company has a P.E. ratio of 20, then you're essentially willing to pay $20 to get back $1 from from the company's earnings. And essentially, it would take 20 years to get back the money that you invested, right? Because it's at a multiple of 20. It's important to remember still, though, that P.E. ratio is relative, right? It is relative, right? When we compare it to the peers, the industry, a broader index, it's very important to understand that. In addition to its relativity, we are looking at we have different variations, right? Variations include TTM, which is a trailing 12-month. For the earnings, so it's losing past data as that earnings, that denominator, to determine the P.E. ratio. Or you're using forward earnings and estimates for the future as that denominator. Typically, the forward earnings as a denominator is going to be bigger, right? A company who's estimating their earnings, they'll never estimate that they're going to do worse. Unless there's some kind of, again, a pandemic happening or something like that. But most companies will expect that they're going to do better, Right, so the earnings will inflate. Higher denominator, higher earnings is going to show a lower PE ratio. It's going to try to show that the company is undervalued. You know, one problem with this is the earnings, because they're reported by the company, can be manipulated. So the 12-month earnings for the past data is going to be a little bit more accurate in terms of understanding the earnings because it's in the past. Right, it's set, it's in stone, but it doesn't account for growth. Where forward earnings accounts for growth, but it's coming from the company's mouth, which is not exactly the most um, statistically relevant tool to use. So P.E. ratio overall is a great tool, but it's only good to know as a reference and to use with a broad range of tools to understand the uh, one, the relevance of the number, but also the value of the company. Right? Like I said, past earnings in the TTM or trailing 12 month does not account for growth, and the use of forward earnings as that denominator um, is subjective to the company, right? It's not objective. It's not using actual measures because it's looking in the future, right? Now, in addition, right, we talk about that P.E. ratio is very a good relative tool, not a very good tool to use by itself. So when we're using that relativity of the tool, we want to compare companies within one sector. Why is that? When you compare companies within one sector, you're accounting for the way that they make money, the way that they're uh, projected to grow, the competition. If you try to compare a company's P.E. ratio like Verizon against something like uh, Tesla, that's going to be ridiculous because the way Tesla makes money is different than the way Verizon makes money. The amount of money that Tesla has to leverage in terms of debt and all those things to get their car sales and research just to get new batteries, all that stuff, 
all that stuff is different than what Verizon has to do because Verizon's been doing this for a long time. So it's important to do things within sectors and within like industries. Now, um, it does not also consider, so when we're talking about being relative, it doesn't consider the risk taken by companies, right? So again, it's a great tool, but it does have some drawbacks. It doesn't take into consideration the risk taken by companies in terms of leveraging debt, right? And using that debt to drive earnings. Because even though companies are in debt, they can still show earnings. For example, AT&T, a lot of companies, a lot of people and investors were shying away from AT&T because they had a crazy amount of debt relative to the rest of their, their uh, industry. And, but they were still having good earnings and they were still paying dividends. How do you do that with debt? Debt, right? They're leveraging that debt to increase their profitability and their earnings. That doesn't account when you look at that P.E. ratio against another company who may not be leveraging as much debt to drive earnings or to pay dividends and things like that. So P.E. ratio doesn't put those all into that one equation. So it's important for you to understand those other tools and put them together as you start to build your uh, reasoning or valuation of a particular company. Now, let's do some comparisons using TD Ameritrade. TD Ameritrade uses the TTM, uh, which is a trailing 12-month earnings. Um, just important, again, it's important to consider that when we're looking at the P.E. ratio, because if you're using forward earnings, the numbers are going to be a little bit different than what I'm reading here. Now, the S&P 500 P.E. is 90, right? So comparatively, if you're going to compare the P.E. ratios of companies within S&P against the S&P, if those companies within the S&P have lower than 90, they would say they would be said to be undervalued relative to the index that is measuring those companies. In this case, S&P 500. Consider this, though. Tesla is in the S&P 500. Tesla's P.E. ratio is 1,052. You heard me right. And when we said before, high is for growth, right? High P.E. ratios. Tesla is 1,052. In comparison, another company within that EV sector, right, is NEO. NEO is negative 61. Yet, when Tesla goes up, NEO goes up. Why? Because people are expecting, even though NEO is not profitable, People are speculating on NEO because NEO may just turn out to be like Tesla, right? NEO may just turn out to be like Tesla. So we know that Tesla is a nuclear growth company, right? I mean, they can just, they can jump and they take a lot of risk. And, you know, you know, Elon Musk is their CEO, so you never know what he's going to do. But we wouldn't be surprised if the next Tesla can fly. So people are willing to pay. Think about this. $1,000 or $1,052 for every $1 of Tesla earnings. That means at this current earnings, it would take somebody 1,000 years to get back their original investment. Isn't that, that's actually crazy, right? Comparatively, NEO is negative 61, which means they don't have earnings. They're not profitable. Even though Neo's had a great last couple of months, we still know they're not a profitable company because we're looking at their P.E. ratio. So could they be you know, China's Tesla? Yes. But we're also keen to the fact that they have never been profitable uh, to date. Apple and Microsoft, both in the information technology sector. The Apple's 32, Microsoft is 34. 
Apple's about 120, Microsoft's about 230, 232. So if we're rounding or you know just kind of rounding up Microsoft actually, Microsoft's price, uh, stock price is nearly double that of Apple's. But the PE ratios are almost the same, which means that Microsoft is earning nearly double, right? If we're talking about uh, the fact that we have to adjust those ratios. Now, Apple can still be considered a growth company and, and really is by most investors where Microsoft is seen almost as a value company. Now, Microsoft does do a lot with cloud technology, gaming, you know, AI, things like that. So Microsoft is growing but if you're comparing Microsoft and Apple, people would say that Apple's growth, Microsoft is value. But Apple's ability to earn, right? Its earnings ability is insane, right? They do almost everything in-house. They have crazy sales on the iPhone. Their lifetime value per customer is ridiculous. Like we talk about it, they're, they have a cult-like following. Their earnings ability allows their P.E. ratio to stay low, relative to other high growth companies. For example, Amazon's is 70. Right? Facebook is 26, but we also know that Facebook is a crazy ad machine, makes a lot of money with data, right? So, Apple and Facebook for in terms of growth are two very very strong uh growth companies that earn enough money to allow their PE ratio to stay low comparatively to like an Amazon who's around 70 and they make a crap ton of money, obviously. But relative to their stock price, their earnings aren't as strong as Apple and Facebook if we're using P.E. ratio as our metric. Uh, Intel and NVIDIA, both in the semiconductor space, Intel 12, NVIDIA 72. Right, and we know that Nvidia is part of the semiconductors. Intel's part of semiconductors, but Intel's been around a million years. Nvidia is relatively still new. Nvidia's crazy, crazy growth, and Intel's not expected to be growth because they're a value company. As you can see that again in the relative PE ratios. So again, if you're looking at this, and we talked about this, if all those companies I just mentioned were in the S and P, except for Neo. And if you see something like Intel is 12, Tesla is 1,052. There are way more investors buying Tesla than buying Intel right now. Way more volume of Tesla and Intel. And that's because people are playing into that growth, right? People are speculating and trying to get more bang for their buck in the future as opposed to more consistent guaranteed with Intel, yet less growth potential over time. And that's what you want to do with P.E. ratio when you, or when you're using any valuation tool. It's important to understand, yes, the tool is there, but you want to understand the company as well to make sure the, the P.E. isn't low because it's dying. Right? You want to make sure they have some, some form of growth in there. But you also want to know that if another company besides Tesla is over 1,000, you want to look into that because you don't want a company that's earning you know, jack squat just because people are willing to pay crazy amounts of money into it, if the business model doesn't make sense, then it's not worth it. And obviously, we know that Tesla is a whole different beast when you talk about that. Um, and also, just using different tools in addition to P/E ratio when you're determining all that stuff. But it also is very important to understand again, and I go back to it: understand the company. 
invest in what you know. And if you don't know, get to know before you just use tools because the tools are there to validate your understanding and not the other way around. The tools shouldn't form your understanding. They should only validate what you already um, have surmised based on your research. So try PE ratio out. Let me know if this helps you at all. And if you have any questions, let me know. many bells and whistles in investing and it can be hard to stay motivated and keep up sometimes and we're talking about investing not just trading right when you're investing and you're making money for the future and wealth and family it can be very very hard so i'm glad that you were here to learn another tool that we can use to continue our growth as investors now remember if you're interested in being ahead and getting stock ideas market analysis and education each month Sign up for my newsletter by clicking the link in the show description. This has been your host, Alex Cunningham, saying, be well and remember, as you begin searching for answers to life's challenges, don't seek security. Seek adventure. Adventure.